Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. And I'm James Marriott. I'm going to start for once by giving a big shout out to our sponsors. We always mention them at the end, never mention them at the start. So a big hello to Title Law Solicitors, uh, who you can find at titlelaw.co.uk or on Twitter at Title Law. And Wednesday Picks, which you probably know about, um, £1,000 up for grabs um, pretty much every weekend, whatever Wednesday you play. Uh, available to download now. If you head to the show notes for wherever you found this episode, you'll find a link where you can download the app. Free to download, free to play. Can't say better than that. Uh, right, let's start by talking about the actual football. So, Reading on Saturday, confession time, hands up, I didn't see the game. Um, I was actually, I was working at Radio Sheffield and that was kind of, that was my that was my excuse to bail and not watch the match. Um, followed bits and bobs of it, but to be honest, the moment that Julian Berner got sent off and we went one down, I kind of thought, well, that's it, game over, and paid no attention to it after that so I will be in your hands here, Dom Housen. What actually happened? In a nutshell, yeah, that was pretty much exactly how it panned out, James. Yeah, that actually Wednesday I thought um, tactically and the way they set up that they competed reasonably well. I thought in the opening twenty-five minutes or so, um, Reading hadn't really looked like scoring. Wednesday'd come close to scoring through Tom Lees's header that hit the bar. Um, and then, yeah, after that, as soon as Julian Berner gets himself sent off, the seventh Wednesday player to be dismissed this season, that is a championship high. That's the only table Wednesday atop of. Um, you, you didn't really get a sense that they were going to find any way back. And, and that's pretty damning, really, when you're saying that, that as soon as Berner gets sent off, they're down to 10 men. Yes, admittedly against one of the best teams in the league, but Reading scored from the penalty. And yeah, it was back against the wall for a lot of that second half. Lack of fight and all the usual, we know what happens when Wednesday go behind, that they don't, they don't come back. They don't get anything this season from matches. So, um, yeah, it was sort of damage limitation, really. And it's, you know, 1-0 after half an hour, 3-0 was about right. But the reality is that Reading had extra gears they could have gone through. if And, and Reading could have scored more the way they played than what they did. Yeah. So the golfing class was pretty enormous. And, yeah, you didn't really get any positives at all. And uh, I'm afraid it comes down to decision-making that Julian Berner, senior player in the side, um, makes a huge mistake. And it's so costly. And we've seen it so many times this season from various players. But um, fair enough, um, you make the error and then you're trying to recover from it. Don't give away the penalty and get yourself sent off, though. Or, I don't know. Make, make the foul outside of the box. If you're going to do a professional foul, do it that way. That's almost how I sort of felt about it, really. Um, but, yeah, you know, to get the double whammy, that was it. I just, I, you, you sort of sense yeah, there was no coming back from Wednesday from that point. Fair enough. 
I, I when um, Darren Moore was appointed, uh, I kind of I had a bit of a look at some of the stuff that Doncaster fans were saying, and one of the things that came up a few times was them talking about he's got this real insistence on his teams playing out from the back, which is kind of commendable. You know, it's, it's trying to play um, football. It's kind of the opposite of maybe what we saw with um, with with Tony Pulis. But there's 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 a, there was kind of alarm bells rang a little bit with me then because I'm not sure that we've necessarily got the players that are good enough to do that, and certainly not got the confidence uh, and I think it does require a degree of confidence to be able to kind of play football out from the back like like that and the the result of it is kind of what we saw against Reading and, and that was the point wasn't it where the whole game sort of changed you know Julian Berner is is not a hugely confident player on the ball I don't think and is is you know uh, uh, He's he's a, a reasonable footballer, but I don't think he's the most comfortable with the ball at his feet. And you run the risk of stuff like that happening. I, I'm not sure if this you know insistence on playing out from the back is actually all that wise uh, tactic with this group of players right now. I agree completely. I think with confidence as low as what it is after seven defeats in eight now, I... I think that yeah you want to be positive and that's the style of play that Darren Moore wants to go with in the long run but in the short term they need results they've got, if they're going to give themselves a fighting chance of trying to get out of the precarious predicament that they're in then they've got to get some wins and, and results very quickly and so they can't afford to make defensive errors like they have done and and I touched on it last week and I say it again that defensively in the last four matches that's nearly as alarming as what's happening at the other end of the pitch. That I think it's eleven now that they've shipped in in four games. So it's, it's terrible, not good enough. It? No, it's not. It's not good enough. It's really, games. it's really bad. It's really bad. I mean, you know, you, you're you're talking there about um, you know if they stand any chance of getting out of it. I I I kind of feel in my mind that that moment sort of passed uh, probably a couple of weeks ago to me. Maybe it was the Luton game where I just kind of thought. I'm not sure that, you know, if if we suddenly started winning, you think, all right, we can make it up, but we look miles away from winning the game. Like, I'm I'm not even sure that we'll bag another win before the end of the season. That's kind of like the, oh, the way on. that Sheffield oh, Wednesday are on, playing right no. now. That's so pessimistic. I, I, That's not going to happen. Wednesday will win another match. They're not that bad. They're not going to win one of the remaining 12 matches. You, you can't Who's going to come against where but where are those wins going to come? Could come against Norwich this weekend. It could come against Huddersfield the game after. But no, I'm not having that. That Wednesday are going to be in complete free fall. My, and it's, this run's going to carry on. My point, really, Dom, is that I think it's more likely that we see Wednesday not win another game this season than it is we see them go on this amazing run and get out of trouble. Like it feels like the ship has sailed as far as as far as me, and I think a lot of fans are. are concerned and um you know I, I i'm not even sure what my point was raising that it's just kind of hearing people say well i think there's any chance of getting out of it and i almost feel like giggling a bit and just kind of saying, it's not happening it's not not getting out of this well darren moore said it after reading that the odds now are stacked against them and so for the manager to come out and say that after just two matches in charge and less than a week there then i think that tells you everything you need to know really that he's now starting to realise the size of the challenge that he's inherited and that he has got... It's a, a total rebuild, job. isn't it? It is. And, and I, I agree with you in the sense, James, that right now it's very hard to make a strong case to say Wednesday can survive, but it is still mathematically possible. And if they were to string, say, two wins together, 
then the table could look very different. The trouble is that everybody else will be in action, for example, this weekend on the Saturday. So Wednesday, actually, by the time they play Norwich on Sunday, they could be 10 adrift. So, and, and then you're looking at it and thinking it, it's insurmountable if, if it's not already. Yeah, I mean, psychologically, that that's really big. When you, I, I kind of want to touch on this this subject of like desire and effort and 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 stuff like that because it it I didn't see any of the Reading game, but I've I've kind of you know I've I've taken in what some people have said about it, and a lot of people making the point about it just feels like they don't care. It just feels like you've got a group of players there that that just don't care. If you go in, if you potentially go into a game on Sunday, ten points adrift. I, I, even the greatest motivator in the world is going to struggle to get a group of players, most of which know they're not going to be here next season, to to up the game against the runaway champions of the championship who are going straight back up with a squad that's good enough to compete in the Premier League. I, it, it's just it's a total mismatch. Mismatch. It just doesn't work. You, you, you just like. I, I, I mean, what what was it? I, I saw something that you, I think it was you that wrote something about how that you couldn't really question Wednesday's desire and heart, or, or certainly someone that that kind of said that the commitment was there. They just weren't good enough. Um, is was that the the case? I, I have seen footage of Julian Burner ripping his shirt off after he got sent off, and you kind of think, all right, well that shows some degree of caring. But the problem is, like I do that, you know, if I got sent off, I'd be really angry about it. I'm just a bit crap at football, and that's why I don't I don't play football matches. So it's like I I, I just don't, I don't know. I'm 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 confused by the whole thing because it it does seem like that fight and desire is seriously lacking. I, I, it, well, it is at the moment when you look at the record of them not coming from behind when they've conceded first. You know, that's what people are going to throw at them, that accusation, uh, and they can't defend that. But I think it's wrong and I think it's unfair to say that these players don't care. I'm sure that they're probably embarrassed about the league position. Yeah, the club have gone through so much turmoil this season with the points deduction, the managerial changes that we've seen and the lack of stability. Um, but at the end of the day, that's just giving players an excuse. And I've said it all along that this group of players is still better um, than what they've shown for long periods of this season. And especially in this run, uh, you know, this group, for me, this team of players, I remember the first year when they were back in the championship after promotion in 2012 under Dave Jones and they lost seven in a row. And that's what Wednesday right now on the cards are doing. That team, to me, was way inferior to some of the talent in this group. But they have not delivered. They they haven't. And so the reposition, it doesn't lie. They've underperformed hugely. And you can say that, yes, they've had the points deduction, lots of, Things have been stacked against them. The managerial upheaval. There's other, you know, injuries. Blah blah blah. Lots of other excuses that we could throw away. The team, the players, they've not been good enough. That's what it comes down to. To me, it's a it's a lack of confidence. is is, is huge. And right now, hand on heart, I, I I think if you spoke to some of these players privately. I'm not sure that they, you know, they're convinced themselves that they can drag themselves out of 
the situation they're in. I, I get a real sort of feeling of sinking ship around the place at the moment because the, the other stuff that's come out this week, we already kind of knew about Liam Shaw, so that's not really a surprise, but obviously confirmation and the usual... Do you know what? I, I used to see people on um, Twitter kind of making comments about, oh, you know, like Wednesday being a circus and all that kind of stuff, and I thought, well, that's a bit offensive. And this week I kind of think, do you know what it is? It is because Liam Shaw leaving, which is it happens at football clubs. Players sign pre-contract agreements, and the girls wear. And like it's, it, it nothing's ever simple with Sheffield Wednesday. It's always like, no, we're going to sue them or whatever, whatever it is. And, and it doesn't seem like Liam Shaw or Celtic have done anything wrong here. Um, so the, there's that that turns into a big um, drama. We know Kadeem Harris, Adam Reach. Uh, coming to the end of their contracts, both linked away. We've also got Asazi Aragidi, who obviously has been actually one of the few positives from the the second half of um, this season, who um, also been linked with uh, a move away. And that's why I arrive at this phrase, sinking ship. It, it's just, it, it, it just, yeah, it just feels like that. It does need a huge reset. And, and we've been on here and we've talked about it so much and uh, you know with Liam Shaw you know I, I said it a while ago that you know the club of for me I think they made a, a huge mistake in that it was quite clear that Liam Shaw was going to be a regular part of the first team picture this season he, you know he made his first start at the end of last season so you know Gary Monk clearly rated him and was going to you know, have him involved at least in the squad for this season. So he was going to get game time. And and then, so for Wednesday to not act sooner and to leave it as late as what the, you know, they did with the negotiating, you know, waiting for him to prove himself almost when you, you knew from the outset of this season that he was going to be involved and he was going to play. That's what I, I find inexcusable for me is that Liam Shaw should have been, they should have been looking to tie him down last summer. Uh, And so they left themselves open to what has happened uh, with Celtic spotting a promising young talent who, by the way, isn't it? He's not the finished article by any means. He's still quite Mm -hmm. raw, but the fact he can play multiple positions, he's at a good age to learn, develop, improve. Um, and that should really, that should be with Sheffield Wednesday. And that's what hurts. And so, yeah, you know, Wednesday, you know, Wednesday are now you know, saying that Celtic potentially haven't you know, done it by the book and are threatening legal action, as we've seen in the, you know, this week. And so it's another row. And we've seen this before with Wednesday where this has happened. Um Similar, wasn't it, with George Hurst? I think from a few years ago, and um, there've been other instances as well. And um, so it, it's going to drag on, isn't it? It's going to rumble on p- potentially. Um, you know, if Wednesday feel that you know Celtic have committed some sort of wrongdoing, but uh, I know from the Celtic end, I think that they feel as if they've not done anything wrong at all. Uh, but it doesn't really matter, does it? Like we've lost a player who should have been. One of you know, part of the 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 spine of the squad that recovers from ultimately this this failure of a squad that we've got now, which is finally dispersed at the end of this season. You you look at the players that we've that we've got there, and you would say number one Liam Shaw, number two Asazi Origidi need to be 
you know, part of the core spine of rebuilding that squad. And we're going to lose them both. And um, this well, blame culture that seems to exist yeah. is yeah. is terrible. Look, I mean, you know, if you're a Sazi Rigidi and all kinds of rumours knocking about about how much money he's earning at the moment at Sheffield Wednesday. If you've got a contract for, to play for Sheffield Wednesday, let's be honest, in League One, very likely, or you've got Premier League clubs that have got great facilities and, you know, brilliant, you know, kind of plans for the future and how they're going to become, um, you know, established top flight clubs. That's the easiest decision in the world, isn't it? It's not. It's not even a question. Like any, any of it, 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 you know, any of us, if we take our Sheffield Wednesday hats off for a moment and say, "All right, if someone is in that situation, what's the decision you're going to make? You're off to the Premier League, aren't you?" So he'll go. So we'll lose Liam Shaw and we'll lose Asazio Regini, and you know, we we've seen the, the other the other stuff, some of the other stuff that's come out this week. There's, there's basically been this indication of the fact that oh, the club can't make any plans at the moment because they don't know what league they're going to being sorry that's the complete wrong way around you you make the plans and you then assemble the right staff and personnel to achieve them it's all the wrong way around and when you don't have a plan it's not going to be a surprise that players are going to go off somewhere else where they can actually see how their future is going to be mapped out so all, all of this you can blame Celtic all you want it's Sheffield Wednesday's fault the book stops with Sheffield Wednesday end of story well, as per usual, James, you're taking the sort of uh, doomsday mantle here uh, with Urigidi. And I, and I don't think that it's nailed on that Urigidi will leave the club. Uh, I, I, and I, I think that if he sees that sort of pathway under Darren Moore, who we know likes younger players, and if Urigidi is going to be an important part of his plans moving forward, then I still think there's an opportunity. I still think there's a chance that, despite the interest that, that is there in Urigidi, that he might stay, even if Wednesday go down into League One. So I'm not writing that one off as he's going to be another Liam Shaw just yet, in that you know, he's going to move on. But... You, you would have thought that Adam Reach, what has been linked with Cardiff and Watford this week, Kadeem Harris, Middlesbrough, Watford, Swansea and Reading, I think it is. But, uh, you know, there's other players of the out-of-contract contingent that will not want to drop down into League One and that would still consider them as, themselves as championship players. Uh, and yep. yeah, you know, so a, a big chunk of those out of contract players will be going. But I think, on the whole, the impression I get from the Wednesday fan base, and it's really how I feel, but is that most of them need to go anyway. There has to be another clear out, and, and, yeah. and there has to be a reset. Yeah, I, I've got. I mean, Adam Adam Reach divides the fan base hugely. I have no doubt at all that there is a great footballer in Adam Reach, and I'm not. I'm not really sure that we've seen it come to fruition at, at Sheffield Wednesday, and I'm not sure he's ever really whether it's his fault or because of you know the ridiculous churn of managers that we've had. He's never really made a position his own in his entire time at the at the club, really. Um, but I I think there's a there's a there's a decent player in in there. And the problem that I've got is I, I, I just can't see why any player at the moment would want to commit their future to a club that, that just 
it feels like it's in free fall. It feels like it's just on a fast track to absolutely nowhere right now. When you've got other clubs who certainly aren't perfect, but clubs which appear to have more of a plan, more of a direction, you can plot out more of a future with them. It, it's, you know, we, we might want to sort of fall back on saying, yeah, well, footballers should show loyalty. That ship sailed years ago. You don't get loyalty from footballers, so forget it. Don't, don't, it's not even worth having that conversation. The thing is, you've got to make your club more appealing to players to make them want to stay. Yeah, I mean, we probably should be moving on these players, but it should be our decision. It should be Sheffield Wednesday that say, we're not going to renew these contracts, we want to get rid of these players. As it stands, I get the impression half those players can't flipping wait to get away from Sheffield Wednesday. And right now, I can't really blame them. The other side of it too, James, is that it's the bad business. It's that these players have run down the contract and so Adam Reach, if he leaves in the summer, that's five million that Wednesday yeah. paid for him, and he's gone for now. Jordan Rhodes, eight million, looks like he's going for now. Uh, you know, Kieran Westwood didn't cost anything, but yeah, you know, high earner. You know, you could go through it, and that's happened now multiple seasons as well. That's happened, you know, probably since going back to what twenty nineteen when Steve Bruce was here, when you had Gary Hooper, Alman Abdi. You know, they paid around seven million for those two, Daniel Padil and Marco Mateus. That Wednesday paid big money for players, and then they've left for nothing. Like that, that's not how it should be working. You know, Wednesday are not um, on that side of the business. For me, you know, there's a lot to be desired there, isn't there? Uh, look, it's. I, the only word that I can sum up the recruitment with really is just disastrous. It's just been a disastrous recruitment policy. It hasn't worked. And we now see what happens when you get these things wrong. You are on a fast track to League One. And goodness knows what happens after that, because I, I'm not sure that this feels like a situation where Wednesday are in a great position to just bounce straight back. But we're probably getting ahead of ourselves there. You know, as you say, it's not it's not technically all over and, and maybe I'm being overly dooms about it, but um that's kind of how it how it feels. Um so other stuff this week, we go from one happy subject to another. The accounts came out. Um, <laughs> tell, tell us about the accounts, Dom. Uh, well, um, the headline figures, James, are that, I mean, the, there is a positive in that, um, you know, Wednesday from the 1819 accounts, they did actually post that a pre tax profit of 19.1 million. Uh, but yes, as everyone well knows, that's largely due, due to the um, stadium sale uh, that you know, the club have done. And so the previous year's figures, the, re- the restated loss now from, what, 17-18, I think is, is 35.5 million. But, yeah, when you actually break it down, you've got the wages and the salaries, they've um, been reduced uh, from 37.4 million to 33.2 million. Um, and then you've got revenues come down that season from 10%. And I, I, I mean, the one that stands out is that for every £160 from that season that Wednesday spent on wages, they've only actually received £100 in revenue. You know, so, it, but I mean, you could go across the whole of the championship and to be honest with you, most 
clubs would be like that of where you know they're speculating to accumulating and then they're not making ends meet and they're constantly pushing the boat out so I think we should say that Sheffield Wednesday sort of aren't alone on on that side um but yeah I, I, you know a lot of people picked up on the report clearly sort of stresses that the club is going to be dependent going forward on the continued financial support of Daepon Chancery, uh, you know, to keep the club af- afloat. Um, but he does say that, you know, he's sort of committed to providing funding for the next 12 months and there's still no sign of Chancery is going to sell up or walk away. Um, and then uh, you know, the one that's got really people talking from in the accounts is this sort of six and a half million confidential settlement payment that the club have received and at the moment everyone they're sort of linking it to that's the compensation that the club received for Steve Bruce and his coaching staff uh, and so if that's the case then what a blinder you know Sheffield Wednesday pulled off with that deal um, that's the one bit of great transfer business that Sheffield Wednesday have done in recent in recent years. Yes, and I have seen also that you know people saying that that would be Wednesday's you know record sale, wouldn't it? And it's the manager, <laughs> so you've got you know that sort of doing the rounds. I, but you know, yeah, I sort of gave you a, a little bit of a brief summary of uh, you know some of the facts and figures in the accounts there, James. But in all honesty, uh, there wasn't a lot in there that we didn't really expect um and um we're going to learn more when the 1920 accounts will get filed that potentially could be this summer you know if wednesday've already submitted everything to the EFL then um you know again that financial picture and that's when the, the impacts of covid-19 as well will start to see you know how that will look but in the future accounts, turnover will clearly have come massively down and you'll get, you know, wages and salaries as well that, you know, we've seen so many of the top earners leave. Um, and, and so the eighteen nineteen accounts for me really just underlined that, you know, the cost cutting, it, it's, it's well and truly started. If it hadn't already done it, it, you know, it's certainly starting to kick in now for Sheffield Wednesday moving forward. I know this might seem like a very doom doom sort of comment, but um, I'm right in thinking in in League One you are looking at is it 75 percent of turnover is what you're allowed to spend on wages. I think that's the there's a salary 75%. cap, isn't there, in League One? And I, I think I think sure. the salary cap itself has been mm. abolished, hasn't it? That's that's well, yeah. gone. But there's still a, a limit on how much overall you're allowed. I mean, you could spend it all on one player if you want, but then you're going to lose games, aren't you? So, um, but I, th- I think it's 75 percent of um, of of turnover and that's a problem at the moment isn't it because turnover is 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 very very low so i mean i don't know whether or not actually that is sustainable or how they're going to do that um so yeah i mean i guess we're going to that that's a it's quite a messy picture that and i think we'll we'll get more clarity in in the coming weeks and and months i mean hey you know fingers crossed maybe it doesn't it doesn't become a problem and we're not in league one next season but um on that on that note let's look ahead to norwich on uh sunday this week isn't it wednesday not playing on saturday playing on sunday on uh on on mother's day and uh we could we could do with a nice gift from uh from from norwich um it's been a place where we've seen real mixed fortunes for wednesday i kind of think back to Fernando Forestieri scoring that 
worldly. And Wednesday, so unlucky not to win that um, game. It was like pretty much the last kick of the game, wasn't it, that Norwich um, equalised. So they are by far the standout team now in, in the Championship this season, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And you look at their attacking players, Buendia, Cantwell, Pookie, you know, they have, in sort of fleeting moments, they've done the business in the Premier League when the club have sort of yo-yoed in the last few years and played in the top flight and, and done quite well there. But it, they're sort of, they're, they're that team, aren't they, where they just can't stabilise in the Premier League. But then when they come down in the Championship, especially this season, they're just too good. Uh, and, and I think they've only lost five times all season. Uh, and, and where I sort of, Take hope. It, it feels a lifetime ago, but Wednesday again, the last time they played Norwich, they competed well back in December. They should have got something that day when Tony Pewis was in charge and they contrived to throw away a lead and lose late on. And uh, yeah, that was, of course, the last time that Wednesday played, um, you know, with a crowd there as well. There was 2,000 fans at Carrow Road for that, and that's been the only time as we know in the last 12 months where that's happened but when's are going to be big underdogs there's no getting away from that this weekend that you know no, no one's going to be expecting Wednesday in the form they're in and the way I think Norwich are playing right now and, and I think they've won seven in a row something like that so <laughs> the idea of Wednesday yeah it's the idea of Wednesday turning the form book upside down and Picking up a positive result, um, it, it's hard again to you know see that happening. But stranger things have happened, James, and so that's what we've got to cling to. That they have Wednesday would turn up, put in a big performance, and uh, and get something to try and get a bit of momentum going for the running. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we look ahead then to midweek. Huddersfield, you would look at and say, actually, well, maybe, you know, if there is a game that that's coming up where you think Wednesday have got a, a chance of getting something, Huddersfield's form's not been great and they a little mini recovery uh, recently that's that's kind of dropped off again. And I, I, I would imagine Huddersfield looking over their shoulders again a little bit. So, you know, I, I think out of the two, that's the game that you'd look at and say that's the more likely for Wednesday to be able to get something out of it because Huddersfield's form a bit iffy at the moment. Bit iffy. Uh, yeah, I've been very polite there. They've, they're terrible <laughs> away from home, and uh, they've only won once this calendar year. So uh, you know they're another club that have been in free fall, and it's as simple as this for me that Wednesday have to win. It, it, that is an absolute must win. And we've been here and we've said it before about Rotherham, Wickham, Luton, and you know Wednesday. I've got a shocking record against that that bottom six and that will be part of the reason. If Wednesday end up going down, we'll, we'll look back at the end of the season and we'll say that, yeah, the head-to-head against the bottom six has been horrific um, and that's let them down. But yeah, I, you know, they've got to be targeting four points, haven't they? There's a minimum, I think, from these next two home matches, um, whether that's realistic or not. Um, they've, they've left themselves with a mountain's climb, and uh, no, you know Huddersfield. Are, they are one of the the worst sides in this league, without a doubt. And so, you know, there's, you know, Wednesday have to be beating Huddersfield at home. They have to be. 
Yep, so um, another big week ahead. Uh, I think that's going to wrap us up then for this week. You can catch Dom at Dom Housen. I'm at James Marriott, or you can contact the show at Dom and James. Uh, big thanks again to our goal partners, Title Law Solicitors and Wednesday Picks. Thank you for joining us. If you like singing the blues, please rate and review the show in your podcast app. Up the owls and see you next week.